Welcome to The Mindful Apprentice, brought to you by Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. In this podcast series, we want to share stories and information to help everyone make the apprenticeship a success, whether you're an employer or the apprentice. We've interviewed a wide range of apprentices, employers, specialists, charities and clinicians to make this series. Wherever you're listening, we hope you'll find it helpful. Hello, I'm Dominic Arkwright. In this programme, we're talking about another challenge that apprentices often face, managing your workload and your time. From a student perspective, it'll probably be drive, work ethic, timekeeping. Timekeeping is the one I would say has been probably the biggest challenge. Darren Marks, Managing Director of Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. If they could listen at school to every time they're told they're late or wear their lanyard, put uniform on right, all of a sudden those are those core skills that go into that workplace around you turn up looking smart, on time or just before your start time and with the right equipment you need, you'll, you'll go well. That's the good starting blocks. So that's the issue. You have your actual work and you have your study. How do you make sure you stay on top of both? Well, let's start with timekeeping, a core business skill. But it doesn't suit everyone, according to chartered occupational psychologist Emily Hutchinson. The first thing to say on that is that people are different. So we're all really individual in lots of different ways. There's an obvious one with time management is whether you're a morning or an evening person. So that's something that's fairly well established that quite often people have a preference for getting up in the morning or staying up late at night. Now, the workplace in general is geared towards a certain type of person. So it is geared towards someone who is good at getting up in the morning, for instance. So generally... Workplaces like people to start, you know, between eight and nine in the morning. Now, for a lot of people, that's fine, maybe for about half the population. For the other half, they probably had to learn to do it and it might feel quite hard. Now, the good thing about workplaces, I guess, especially post-pandemic, is there has been more flexibility introduced. So actually, some workplaces now will introduce staggered start times. So maybe you could negotiate... You know, I find it really difficult getting up in the morning, but actually I'm fine staying a bit later in the evening. So I'd prefer to work a half past nine till six o'clock day and that would work better for me. Um, also, if you're having to obviously commute to work, you might need to get public transport. And there's something about that in terms of when are the bus times and all the rest of it, which also might mean you need to flex your starting and ending time a bit so I would encourage you you know if you do find it difficult to kind of fit in with what's suggested by the employer to actually at least try and have the conversation about adjusting the time so that it either fits with your travel options or actually with you know how how you best function. And there's no shame in talking about it. Mark Bates is Early Careers Programme Manager at Nationwide Building Society, a big recruiter of apprentices speak up and talk about it because um, if you hold your head in the sand and keep turning up late it forms a bad impression so the most important thing you can do is just ask you know if you if it's a particular timing thing or a travel thing speak up and say would you mind if we start a little bit later in the morning rather than early for example so it's kind of first thing is to speak up and talk. Mark Bates from Nationwide so being on time is one thing managing gruelling working hours is another Andrea Dodd is Managing Director at Performance Learning Group, which delivers apprenticeships and training to the hospitality industry, and that's a tough one. Not only are you expected to work very long hours, they're very unsociable hours, 
you know, sometimes till sort of two, three o'clock in the morning, you're on your feet quite often. Um, for the majority of that time, you have irregular breaks. Generally, your lifestyle is very different to all of your friends' lifestyles. Some that works in hospitality, their night almost begins sometimes at, you know, midnight or one o'clock in the morning. That's when you want to be able to relax. That's when you want to be able to go out. Any other sort of, you know, Joe Public general job is sort of Monday to Friday, nine to five. It's not like that in hospitality at all. And it feels like sometimes when, especially when you work your way up and you are higher up in hospitality, that everything's expected of you. You know, you can't have a day off for two weeks or you're working sort of 70 hours, 80 hours a week because that's what's expected. So yeah, it's, it's very high pressured. And it can take its toll. So some people then turn to drink and drugs or you know, caffeine to try and keep themselves going rather than actually having a conversation with somebody and saying, look, I'm not sure I can work all of these hours or I've got some other issues going on at home. I'd like some, you know, support with this. Um, and just having an open conversation with people rather than actually sort of suffering in silence sometimes, which people seem to do. We do have this massive stigma behind mental ill health and how actually some people are, are too ashamed to have a conversation with you know, a supervisor or a manager or an owner to say, look, I'm struggling, I need some help. Whereas actually nine times out of 10, that manager is ready for you to have that conversation, ready to support you. It's just a matter of you being able to, you know, have the confidence to say, look, I'm just not okay. I just need some help. Olivia Skane's apprenticeship at HM Land Registry wasn't that brutal, but still challenging. Apprenticeships are not easy at all. They can be overwhelming at times because of the amount of work you've got to do. And that's when time management really comes into place as you need to be able to balance your on-the-job and off-the-job working. And this is important, balancing the actual work and the studying. Part of it is about organisation, according to Emily Hutchinson. So I think it's about developing systems and managing really around that for me. So, um, for instance, you know, having a diary where you write down all your appointments in the day now or you have an electronic calendar. You can put reminders on your phone that beep at you when you need to be in meetings or you could also ask your workplace. So I think, again, you know, the whole thing about apprenticeships is it is about learning and keeping in mind that this is about learning. You don't have to get everything right at the beginning. If you're really struggling to organise yourself, then I would say, you know, talk to people in your apprenticeship scheme, talk to, um, you know, people in the workplace to say, I know I'm not doing this very well, can you help me? And it could be just that, you know, you have a buddy who's actually maybe got to be in the same place as you at the same time and that they'll, you know, nudge you in the ribs when you need to go or, or ping you a message if you're working remotely. Just kind of using digital reminders, I think it's really helpful. Using your colleagues, using your line management as well to help you are all good things to do. But we still have this thorny problem of balancing study time with work time, which is the priority. Let's hear from Olivia Skane, who did her apprenticeship at HM Land Registry, Jessa Lee, who's doing hers in the construction industry, and Evie Barnes, who did her apprenticeship at Nestle in York. Because you've got a job and you're studying, it's no way, no shape or form easy. Um, so for me, it was just balancing time um, and it got easier. Like my time management got better as it went on, but I do recall when I started my apprenticeship it was a bit overwhelming seeing the work I had to do and my job 
but yeah it, time will tell and it all gets better by the end but it's completely normal to feel overwhelmed about um the workloads you have to deal with there's work deadlines as well and sometimes it's difficult to know what to prioritize in terms of whether these appear or seemingly urgent issues in your job kind of would take precedence over your university degree and what i found was helpful was speaking to my colleagues i'm very fortunate that at my company they were very supportive and if i was struggling or if I could foresee that, okay, next week is going to be quite stressful because I know I've got this deadline and there's these things in my job that are also coming up that there would be other people to help take the burden of some of the workload issues that I might have had in the workplace so I could focus on my studies. And also um, they provided me with some study days to help with that too. Yeah, so I was given 20% off the job time as part of my apprenticeship, which I, as far as I understand, a lot of apprentices are. Um, not just at Nestle, but across other companies as well. But it's very, very easy to not take that time because work does get very busy. And I've always been told that my priority does need to be work and then study can happen in my own time if needs be. But where possible, taking that 20% off the job really helped me. Um, I used to take it as one full day where I could because I found it easier to get in the zone of the revision um, and to dedicate full days to doing that rather than breaking it up. And don't forget, 20% of your time should be spent studying and it should be in your paid time. Susie Phillips-Baker is an organisational psychologist. Yeah, I think the challenge with apprentices that I've worked with in the past has been the juggling of the different commitments so getting used to the working environment often for people who may be very new to the workplace and also learning at the same time and I think what's really helpful or has been helpful for clients that I've worked with is having a support network and sometimes that can be from those individuals who they're working with so other apprentices so creating those relationships and enabling those to kind of you know help them Uh, from an organizational perspective that can be really helpful is to create that working environment where people can share different ways of working and different approaches and if you are struggling a bit do talk about it anna morrison founder of amazing apprenticeships and andrea dodd who runs apprenticeship programs in hospitality both say that's important it's about feeling confident or feeling brave enough to be able to open up to whoever you feel confident talking to. So whether that's a work colleague or a friend or your line manager or your training provider, there are lots of people out there who will be able to help you with your well-being and will want to support you. And if they don't know what to do, they will be able to signpost you in the right direction, hopefully. So, so it's about starting to have the conversation and speaking up and if something doesn't feel okay then speak up as soon as you spot some of those early signs and have that conversation rather than it building and kind of snowballing into something that then feels quite um, unmanageable have those early conversations just have a conversation if you have clear communication with your trainer sometimes there might be something else that your trainer can support you with so 
immediately have a conversation with your trainer and your employer to start with, um, especially your trainer, because there might be actually something they can support you with. At the end of the day, we want people to enjoy these programs. We want people to, you know, have a great experience of doing these programs, whichever industry you're in. We don't want it to be hard work. And we certainly don't want people regretting what they're doing and, and it being painful for them. Here's Mark Bates from Nationwide Building Society. He too says your training provider is a key component in keeping on top of things. Every um, apprenticeship that I've come across, the apprenticeship provider's got skills coaches, for example. So if you talk to your skills coach, they can give you some tips and tricks and even do the basic things like make sure you set your, your day up the night before. So, for example, you might uh, get, get your laptop ready or your pat lunch ready or have it all set up so that you're not rushed in the morning. And even if you're uh, a late sleeper, get somebody to call you at 8 o'clock every morning so that you're ready in plenty of time. So put in some physical steps to help you get used to it. And then it'll become a routine and then you won't need all the reminders. But definitely um, call upon other apprentices who've been through the same situation. So there are things you can do for yourself and there are things you may need a little help with. Don't be afraid to ask. Julia Wildfire-Roberts works with a mental health charity, Pentreath, in Cornwall. The biggest step you'll ever do is to reach a hand out and say, I need more, I need more support. And that shows huge amount of strength and resilience to do that. But it's always seen as being weak and giving in when actually it's completely the opposite. I would talk to your boss as soon as possible. I can often feel like, oh, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. But actually, if you've been feeling a certain way for a couple of weeks, then there's probably something more there. And the sooner that you talk to your boss, the sooner they can deal with it, the sooner they can start, you know, looking at what they may need to do. Because, you know, your employer has a duty of care. And should, in any case, be looking out for signs of stress in apprentices. If you recognise that a staff member is the first one in and the last one out, day in, day out, you know, actually, is there something going on there? Because that person, you know, may be struggling to complete their work in the time allotted. So that's an indicator. You know, all of those things that you can start noticing, that you can implement, that you can proactively approach as an employer, will, in the, in the short and long term, have a really good impact on your business. That was Julia Wildfire-Roberts, but the last word in this programme goes to Simon Blake, Chief Executive of Mental Health First Aid England. If there is too much work, finding ways to have those conversations and making sure that people know and understand. But also then, what is it that makes me relax? Whether that's you know, flopping out in front of a TV programme, whether that's colouring, whether, you know, for me, walking the dog, running, um, I've got a horse, all things which... Give your brain a rest, you know, the ability to actually just switch off um, and, and really take care of ourselves. So making sure that work and study don't take up all your time is important too. Work-life balance also comes into this. Next time we'll be looking at another potential challenge. What if you feel you're not up to the job or you don't like it? Until then, I'm Dominic Arkwright. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Mindful Apprentice. We hope you found something in it which was helpful to you or perhaps a colleague or friend, whether you're a new starter or a seasoned professional. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in the podcast or want to find out more about organisations which can provide help and support, go to sawiot.ac.uk forward slash The Mindful Apprentice. <laughs>